There comes a time in life when we all need a doctor. And today you're spoilt because there's two of us. Today's guest is a frontline NHS doctor and three times Welsh national triathlon champion. Come join us as Alex Matchett drops in for a chat this week about everything from lockdown haircuts and bonking mid-race right through to how he manages to balance life in the wards alongside life as a top-end triathlete. Keep yourself here. Thank you once again for joining me. My name's Stephen. I spend some of my time working as a hospital doctor and whatever time is left over, keeping a keen eye on the world of triathlon. This is episode six of Try Me A River and you, yes, you, especially if this is your first time tuning in, you are so welcome. What this podcast is all about is getting hold of some of the most interesting and unique characters in the sport and picking their brains to find out what inspires them, what tips they might have for the rest of us, and what exactly it is about the sport of triathlon that makes it so special for them. Since I last spoke to you, I've been soaking up the sun rays on my bike the last few weekends, discovering new savage hills around the corner of Northern Ireland where I live, and above all else, loving the fact that I can now cycle with other human beings. It is something I will never take for granted again for as long as I live. Yes, it's a good character building exercise to go out alone, hunting Strava segments, or at least it was until cheapskates like me got priced out of Strava Premium when they decided to start charging for it a couple of weeks ago. But you can't beat the buzz of having one or two pals on the road with you, and preferably in front of you acting as a windshield. Lockdown has been long. It's very nearly three months since Boris told us that we were only allowed to exercise alone once a day. It's not been easy since then. COVID-19 has affected so many people, some in tragic circumstances. And I think as a nation, we're just relieved that things seem to be finally settling down and returning to some kind of normal. Cafes are now doing takeout orders, meaning we can cycle with a small group of friends for a coffee run these days. The simple things in life that put a smile on our faces are returning. But one group of people who have experienced the weight of the pandemic more than most are NHS workers who have been putting themselves in the firing line of the virus in order to help the sick people who come through those hospital doors. And one of those NHS heroes is our guest today. It's strange but true to say that lots of doctors also seem to be triathletes. Yes, you've got high-achieving triathlete doctors like today's guest Alex and others such as Lucy Gossage, but even at my much more amateur end of the sport, there are huge numbers of my colleagues on the wards who have taken to swimming, biking and running. Perhaps for some doctors, it's like the new golf, the new stereotypical midlife crisis activity for people with an inability to put their feet up when they're not at work. Or maybe there's another reason. Maybe the same character and calmness under pressure and perseverance through emotionally draining experiences that are needed for life as a medic are just very similar to the traits required in a successful triathlete. Either way, 
We'll only know the answer by spending a bit of time with someone who lives in that world. And that's where Alex Matchett comes in. As he'll explain during our chat, Alex is a junior doctor working in Bristol. He's also a three-time national triathlon champion and has already experienced notable success since stepping up from Olympic distance to half Ironman distance last year. I've trained with him in the past and raced against him and he's a superb athlete. I was always watching him from a long, long, long way behind. So enough chit chat from me. Let's get to the main man. And I started our conversation by asking Alex what life has looked like for him as a doctor in the middle of all the coronavirus mayhem that's been going on over the past few months. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy, really. Um, obviously, so I was, I actually was quite lucky when it all started kicking off. I was off on a bit of annual leave. So I was meant to be going to Mallorca on a training camp. But obviously that was got cancelled. So as it was, I was just at home. Yeah, it was pretty mad, really, because you sort of getting all the messages on the WhatsApp group saying what all the changes that are happening. So then you came back to work on the Monday things were changing quite a bit so people were being deployed to different teams or mega teams as we had we've got in Southmead in in Bristol yeah it's been been pretty crazy really at the moment pretty lucky it seems to be calming down for a bit or certainly in a calmer period and who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks but yeah it's been it's been different so for me personally um one of my first F2 jobs was on ICU. So for those who don't know, I do, you do an F1 and F2 doctor is sort of your first and second years of being a doctor, junior doctor on the wards. And you do, you rotate around through different rotations. So four months in different specialities. Um, and the whole idea is to get good grounding in medicine and surgery as well. So my first F2 rotation was on ICU. So I had a bit of experience um, and I really enjoyed that job. So I was quite keen to go back and obviously there was a lot of talk that ICU was going to be really busy so I was quite keen to get stuck in and help out where I can yeah but as it was I think so southwest um, of England in particular has, has certainly been one of the better areas to be it's been one of the least affected areas and they they had that mega team um, sort of structure where people were deployed to different areas for a few weeks but then after that they were allowed to step it down so we're sort of in that that uh, step down period at the moment so I've gone back to my normal rotation which is orthopedics obviously a lot of orthopedic stuff is elective operations so people coming up in to have their hips or knee operations uh, hips and knee replacements which obviously is important but it's not urgent stuff it's not life-threatening things so a lot of that has been cancelled or put on hold at the moment so there was certainly a lull over the past couple of weeks, but things starting to, and certainly in terms of the trauma side of things, seem to be picking up quite a bit now. So yeah, we'll we'll see how the next few weeks go. D- did you see any scary experiences at the height of the surge when people were coming in with COVID? So I think Bristol, in in a way, is quite unique. There's there's two big hospitals in Bristol for the population. There's both both of them have got quite a lot of intensive there's quite a lot of intensive care beds quite a lot of intensive care capacity so it, it was quite well managed and the days that I was did spend on ICU were on the ICU was split up into patients that had COVID and for patients that didn't have COVID and I, I was working on the in the non-COVID area I suppose the most scariest thing for me or 
potentially the scariest was when I went to, I'm sure you're aware you have, they've got these NHS Nightingale hospitals um, and they built one in Bristol at um, UE University. And part of that, I went for an induction day there and just to see the scale of it really, as it was, I don't think at the moment it's actually, I don't think they've required, had to use it for any patients there, which is thankful. But I just remember just like looking around the scale of this building and thinking, crikey, you know, if this place is full, as, as they had predicted, probably going a month or so back now, that would have been pretty scary mm. for sure. There has been a proper feeling of like people getting behind the NHS like I haven't seen before in terms of like getting out in the streets and the millions of people clapping their hands on their doorsteps and donating things to hospitals. I don't know. Have you felt that over there in Bristol as well? I, I felt that here. Like I've never felt so valued, I suppose, as a doctor. Yeah, it has been. It's been really nice. Actually, I remember finishing um, one of the late on-call shifts, at, like just before eight o'clock, and I was just sort of driving back from the hospital in my car, and everyone was out on the streets clapping. <laughs> just like this is pretty mad, really. <laughs> and what has lockdown looked like for you in terms of trying to balance going into work, having a busy shift pattern, but then also trying to do your triathlon training? Have you been able to keep the two going side by side? Obviously. The main part, so once, you know, I'm going back, what, the end of March, beginning of April, when it was properly, you know, properly kicking off, a sort of, we knew all the triathlon races and everything were going to be cancelled. So there was no pressure to like get out and train. That was the least of the priorities. And I think from my perspective, I was making sure that I didn't see the point in going out and smashing the training just because you're going to lower your immune system and make you more mm. susceptible to picking it up. But then certainly it's been nice to, the focus has been less on training for such a more just getting, going out for a run or get, going out for a bike ride and just clear, clearing the head and um, getting a bit of fresh air really after being stuck inside. And certainly it's been nice over the last couple of weeks or so now that you're certainly in England, we're able to meet up with people at a, a sociable distance. And so it's been nice to catch up with people and go, go for a cycle or go for a swim in an open water swim. That's been really good. So rather than, I think rather than, training being something to prepare for a race it's been just to get outside and um, enjoy the fresh air really for for people who, who don't know we we met at loughborough when we took a year out of medical training to go and do a sports science course for a year and yeah we did early on i remember telling you oh i'm into triathlon as well without realizing how much better at it you were than i was but you've been doing it for a lot longer than i realized because just before chatting to you tonight, I went on to Google and typed in your name just to see if I could find like, any embarrassing nuggets about you. And I found a picture from 2006. Oh, really? <laughs> winning, uh, I think it was like the 13-year-olds category at the Pembrokeshire Junior Triathlon. Yeah, that's it, yeah. You've been, um, you've been doing this for a long time. I have, I have. I've been triathlon. doing it for a very long time. So I started, so my dad did some tri- was doing some triathlons when I was really young. I was probably like eight years old at this age. And my uncle was doing them as well. So it was something I was exposed to at a young age. And I just like loved going to watch my dad in particular racing and taking part. And I just thought it was so cool. So I saw that they were like in Wales at the time, there was like a bit of a junior series, which you could race at when you were eight, nine years old sort of thing. So got into it through that and then just gradually just became a bit more competitive. So I think I was already in a swimming club at that stage, but got into swimming a bit more, joined an athletic club, got into running a bit more um, and sort of carried it on really. So yeah, I've been doing it for quite a while. (laughs) And you didn't specifically come from one background in terms of you being a swimmer and then you went for triathlon afterwards. You just sort of did them all together at a very young age. Is that right? 
Yeah, I think so. I did. I, I was definitely doing cross country when I was in junior school and I had like swimming. I was in swimming lessons and a swimming club, but I'm pretty sure I, I well, I know for sure that I carried on in the swimming club because I wanted to do triathlon and compete in triathlon. I also remember, I think it was last summer, I saw that you tried stepping up the distance and you went for a half iron distance race. I did really yeah. think you came fourth, is that right, in the outlaw? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. So um, I've had a few goes at the sort of that, that was going to be my aim for the season really, for this season was to really go back and do the outlaw and try and get a podium position there and be up there. I've had a few goes at the at the middle distance with mixed success. My first one, I uh, bonked absolutely terribly uh, w- within like the last five miles of the bike. So you can imagine the half marathon was really painful. It was a, a certainly more walking than running. And then the outlaw was the second one I did. So I did that last year and I did paced it slightly better, but I managed to get to the 12 mile mark before I had to walk. So again, the pacing was a bit of an issue again. Um, and then I did Ironman 70.3 Weymouth in September as an age grouper. And yeah, for, for the amount of training that I was able to put in at that stage, I was pretty happy with that performance. So I was really looking forward to this season, actually, to being able to hopefully put with a bit more consistent training to put in a good performance and see what happens. But it's not to be. Um, and there will always be races in the future. And is that a conscious decision you've made to move away from sprint and Olympic distance and try the middle long distance stuff? Yeah, so I think certainly um, the, with the sprint and Olympic distance, certainly in the draft legal sort of racing, the, the racing that's in like the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games and everything, the swim is really important. And the, it's the, the thing that's least appealing to me now is having to, you know, when I was certainly when I was in Loughborough, I was doing 30k, 40k swim weeks. And that's a lot of time just steering at a black line. And after I left Loughborough, I didn't really have, uh, you know, I'd still enjoy getting in the pool, but I have no desire to be able to to put in that sort of time um, steering at a black line again. So I'd raced a lot of like the draft legal stuff, the sprint distance, the Olympic distance, and just wanted a new challenge really. And obviously the half Ironman distance and Ironman distance certainly in the UK is getting really competitive as well. So um, it was something that motivated me to give that a good go and see what I could do. You, you mentioned the idea of, of bonking towards the end of that bike race and how you had to walk at the end of the half hour. And um, talk, talk people through that who maybe haven't been in that position before. What, what is going through your head when you're so far into the red that your body just almost gives up on you? What, what's that? Yeah, it's pretty horrible. So you've just <laughs> got no energy levels. Um, and I think that was, I think that's, that's the main learning point that I've learned from these middle distance races on, on the, certainly on the sprint. And I think to the Olympic, to an extent, you can get away with not having such a good nutritional strategy. Whereas in half Ironman middle distance and Ironman racing, I think nutrition is absolutely crucial and getting that right can have such a big impact on, on your performance. So yeah, the, the, I, I, certainly in those races, it's a case of perhaps going, pushing the pace too hard too soon early on in the bike. And then when your heart rate's too high, you can't then absorb the gels, absorb the energy that you need for later on in the race. And I certainly in the Outlaw last year, I remember starting that half marathon, I was quite a bit further down than I'd have liked. 
coming off the bike. So I was quite really motivated to run fast for that half marathon. And I was going pretty well for the first 10K or so. And then after that, it was just a slow, slow decline, just to the point where <laughs> your, your vision's narrowing. Uh, <laughs> and you think, you know, you get to within a mile. And I was in second place at that, at that stage. Will Clark was winning it. So he, he was long gone. But I, I was in second, second place. And I, I, yeah, your vision's narrowing. You just just putting one leg in front of the other is a struggle <laughs> and there was I was I remember just trying to find, like hoping that there was an aid station going to be so I could just get some sugar on board get some coke or something like that and it wasn't to be so yeah it was a very painful experience not not one I'd like to repeat again and w- when you are thinking about nutrition is it all gels for you or would you try anything a bit more solid during a race yeah I think certainly for the middle distance race you can get away with gels. Ironman distance, I did, I, I, not having done an Ironman, I think it's some people like to have something a bit more solid. And again, your heart rate's that bit lower for an Ironman, so you can absorb that more. You can, yeah, change up your nutrition a bit and absorb that bit more solid food. Would you, would you ever practice going over those sort of distances at race pace before one of those races? Like, would you try doing a 90K cycle fairly close to race pace before the big day? Yeah, so I, I, like in Bristol, I've got a good loop that's about 90k, and I'll um, I'll certainly be putting in some intervals at race pace. And yeah, as you say, like practicing nutrition, just making sure that you can, because obviously you have different gels and everything like that. People can take absorb them differently and everything. So yeah, it's really important to practice at race pace that the nutrition you're going to use in in the race. Mm. I remember towards the end of our year in Loughborough, you were sort of gearing up for the Commonwealth in Glasgow. That was yeah. in your mind at the time. And I remember chatting to, the, uh, to you about this afterwards. And I think you were selected for the Welsh team as a reserve. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So first of all, I, I, had, I think I really enjoyed Glasgow. I th- it was a whale of the time and I'd have loved to have raced, but it wasn't to be. So the, the plan, I think, was that going into it, that you had to race so welsh rathlon's goal was always for to race to be able to race you had to have a chance of a medal or a top five or something like that so the best chance for that was going to be in the mixed relay team because at the time you had helen jenkins and non stanford Mm. for the women and so um the thinking being if you had you know if you had some good strong male athletes who were well rested that, that that was the best chance of wales getting a medal in in the commonwealth games and then so leading into it the talk was that everyone who was going to be in the relay had to uh race the individual race as well so that meant that if you were selected as a reserve you'd still be able to race in the individual race i think then a few months before that was then changed so and i knew at that stage that i was going to that i was the third choice for the relay team and when that all changed then i knew that you know unless there was an injury to to Morgan or Liam, who were the first and second male athletes for Wales, then I wasn't going to get a chance to race. But I knew that it was, you know, I was still going to be going to the athletes' village, going to be, I could play a good part in in the triathlon team and just being a good, like, team member, really, and helping out everyone prepare for the race and everything. And and that's hopefully, that's, I think, what I did. And I really, yeah, it was a great experience in Glasgow. Like, Glasgow, the city, really embraced the Commonwealth Games. And it, I just found, like, staying in the village as well. Everyone was so friendly, like, meeting pe- people, athletes from different countries and everything like that. It was such a cool experience. And I would have loved, yeah, obviously loved to have actually got to race in it, but it wasn't to be. 
and overall, yeah, absolutely love Glasgow. What What's Welsh triathlon looking like at the minute? Because you mentioned a few big names who have come out of Wales over the years, like Helen and Non. Is there still a good production line? Yeah, I think so. I think so. In certainly, in terms of the male athletes, it's a lot. It seems to be a lot of the guys at the moment are the same guys that were racing probably four or five years ago as well. So they've recently, in the last couple of years, got a performance centre opened up in Cardiff, which has got is uh, like a collaboration between Welsh Triathlon and the Welsh uh, Cardiff Universities as well. So I think from speaking to the athletes that train in there they absolutely love it and it seems like they've got a really good setup and I think that's hopeful then for the future because I think I think you need that like just having athletes to train with in a similar position to yourselves just pushing helps push each other on each day certainly that was the way it was when that year that I was in Loughborough um, was so good like people similar abilities to yourself like every session you just you just want to be at the top of your game because you know that you know you don't want to give an inch to mm. the bloke next to you because you're going to be racing him in a couple of months time do you, do you still come across some of those athletes when you're racing today like have they stepped up to the longer distance stuff as well yeah some of them have so the what i've done the last couple of years is that welsh rathlon have put on a really good like series over the summer which called welsh rathlon super series and there's been uh for the last couple of years we've had six races that have made up the series a mixture of sprints and olympic distance races um and it's been non-drafting racing just in races all around wales and that's been really good and again you get to like meet up with the boys and everything that i know and they're really good athletes and also you get on well with so it's yeah it's not really nice to catch up with that and similarly when i did 70.3 weymouth in september as well seeing a few of the guys that have you know really stepped up and racing really well over in in the pro field it was good to nice to catch up with they with those people as well is there a good healthy degree of competition between you? Like I, I know when I bump into my mates at races, I want to beat them. Do you, do oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the appeal of triathlon for me. It's just like I love the competition. <laughs> Tell me, looking forward, how do you think you'll be able to balance being a doctor and training for the middle distance events? You, you'd mentioned about how it'll probably involve less swim training, but you still think you'll be able to do the two? Side by side? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. You know that. So I think, you know, triathlon is all about consistency and being able to put in sessions day after day, which, as you know, is it's difficult when you're working night shifts and you're going from long days to short days and everything like that. It, it does play havoc. So I think for first part, is accepting that you're not going to be able to, perhaps if you had all the time in the world, you're not going to be able to do, do as much as you'd like. But I think just having a healthy attitude that like triathlon it, for me now is is a hobby and it's something I still take seriously, but is a hobby at the end of the day. Certainly when I, so when I was in Loughborough, you know, the pretty much the whole folk, like I enjoyed the degree, but the whole focus for being there was the triathlon. Whereas then when I went back to Bristol, the main, the, the, the main aim was to get, to get a medical degree. But at the same time, you sort of then shifted attitude so that, after finishing a hard day of revising or something like that it was actually refreshing and nice to be able to go out and do a good run session or a bike session or a swim session something like that I think in terms of balancing them it's difficult I'd quite like to take a bit of time out from like January onwards maybe to give myself for next year a good lead into the season and just see what I can do over some of the middle distance races earlier in the season whether we'll see what happens with coronavirus and everything whether that's going to be possible but that would be quite nice 
overall it's possible you just have to be smart about and again there's no good finishing a set of nights and going out and smashing a hard session because you're not going to really gain any benefit from it you feel like you've enjoyed it a bit more since it's become a hobby yeah i think so i mean i it's definitely said the priority shifts and i think it would have been quite easy to be like once i finished in loughborough being like right that's me done with triathlon now but it, it was never that never really happened because i love i love training and i love racing and catching up with people yeah is this a lockdown haircut you have yeah, it is. I went full lockdown a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Did you do it yourself? Yeah, with a bit of help from a flatmate. <laughs> Good yeah, he had to bail me out halfway through. <laughs> That's brilliant. As lockdown eases, I'm hoping to do a few cycling holidays over the summer. If I was to explore Wales, where would yes. you recommend for a good cycling holiday? So I think I'm from Pembrokeshire. I think Pembrokeshire is marvellous. You know, you could ride on the Ironman Wales course and everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, but there's plenty of like hilly terrain and everything. North Wales is really good. So up in Snowdonia and you've got the Brecon Beacons as well. They're getting back down in the south. And as long as you like the hills, you'll, you know, <laughs> you'll always find somewhere good to cycle in Wales. What, what's the toughest hill? If you had to pick the hardest one you've cycled in Wales. Oh, the toughest hill. Well, I'll go for one fairly local to me. So the the Preselli's are the, some of the hills in Pembrokeshire, and they've got a, a good, a very good climb, which I think takes about fifteen minutes or something like that. That's probably the longest one you can do. But otherwise, in Pembrokeshire, there's, there's plenty of short and sharper ones, which uh, yeah, probably last last less time to get up, but certainly pretty steep and hard. I'll have to look into it. And what's your prediction for when you think we'll be able to do? proper triathlon races again oh I, uh, that's a tough one mate <laughs> um, i don't know when do you think i re- i think i'll go i think we'd be lucky to get any races in the uk this year yeah agreed i think uh, see there might be a few going on in spain maybe in october i don't know but i think we'll be very lucky to get anything in in the uk this year which is a shame. What are your big aims then for the next few years in terms of triathlon? So you've mentioned the middle distance. Is that something you would like to focus on and try and be competitive at then? Yeah, certainly. So I'd love to, um, so the aim for this year really was to try and target some middle distance races earlier on in the season to try and get the pro license, professional license and race professionally towards the end of the season. So I suppose that will be the aim for next year um, and we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, that's, that's the aim at the moment. From dipping your toe into the water over the past couple of years, what do you think are the big things you would need to try and work on to get to that level? Yeah, I think so. The main, I think my swimming and my running is there or thereabouts. Um, obviously, needs a bit of improvements, but there or thereabouts. I think the main um, improvements are going to become from bike training um, and getting that bit stronger on the bike and nutrition as well. And so, like this year, for example, I knew that the bike. Um, had been a bit of a weakness in the past so that was something that I really wanted to improve on so I was doing quite a lot on the indoor trainer which is again is quite a good way to for those who are like a bit short on time but wanting to get in a really good session I think the turbo trainer is, is a really good way to go you know you don't have to waste time like trying to get out of Bristol through like traffic lights and stuff you can get it on the trainer and get a really good session within an hour for an hour's work you know, I'm not riding too, but I've been doing quite a bit. Few targeting a few Strava segments and um, not been yeah. doing badly on those. So yeah, I think uh, that's the way to go. 
You know what? Now that I've spoken to Alex and heard he's on Strava chasing down segments, maybe I'll cough up a few quid and sign up to it again. See if I can cling onto his average pace for even five miles. <laughs> Unlikely. Anyhow, if you've enjoyed the podcast today and want to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes, subscribe on Spotify, feel free to leave me a review, or if you prefer doing things the old-fashioned way, you can fire me an email on trymeariver at gmail.com. That's T-R-I, trymeariver at gmail.com. And you can keep track of any new, exciting news coming through over on my Twitter page, at trymeariver. Make sure you're back here, same time, same place, in two weeks, because my guest for episode seven is a massive name on the ITU World Triathlon circuit. He's an Olympian, a real exciting talent who competed at Rio and is very optimistic about his medal chances in Tokyo. I'll say no more for now, but you'll definitely want to tune in for that one. Until then, look after one another, and in the words of Marcus Rashford, just look at what we can do when we come together. See you next time. 